Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Ooh, I've been waiting for this moment. Today was the day we were all daydreaming about a few months ago. All right, April. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we were daydreaming about this day. Paul Douglas with you. And, of course, you know I bring the warm fronts, the smiles, the splashing, the cold beer. Those other meteorologists bring the mayhem. Uh, Yeah, I've signed up just to be responsible for the nice days. And it is a nice day out there, and I hope you can soak it up. Welcome to meteorological summer. Forget the calendar on the wall. Does anybody have a calendar on the wall i hope so got a stupid calendar on my phone which i check way too often but uh, according to the calendar the uh, summer solstice doesn't kick off till june 21st that is the official first day of summer but as far as the atmosphere is concerned summer really begins right around june 1st and goes through labor day If you look at the historical records, the 90 warmest days of the year are, on average, the months of June, July, and August. And we usually don't hit our peak temperatures until mid-July. There's a little bit of a lag. Did you know that? That's probably more than you ever wanted to know, Chris Tubbs, who's producing today. Hey, Chris. Hey, Paul. I'm uh, finally a nice day, and of course I'm inside during the day, but that's okay. I'd rather be here with you than anywhere else in the world. I will describe how nice it is outside. Okay, so you it's paint not me quite paint the me a picture thing. with your words. Oh man, I got a haircut today and then I stopped at Mickey D's. No, up I meant about the weather, you nincompoop. I meant about the weather. Took the top off of uh, my top. Of, of the car. Was, okay. It, I you yeah, gotta be motorist, specific there. Drivers were a little alarmed, <laughs> but it makes me happy. And uh yeah, it was a, it it it's been a good day so far and it's National Say Something Nice Day. Oh, <laughs> we're all going to be at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I Uh-oh. I should have done some more preparing for that. I I apologize. I didn't know it was National Say Something Nice Day. You have to write it out on cue cards, right? I do. Yes, oh. I, I'll think of something. I've got what two hours and twenty minutes to. Do I have to say something nice about you, or just something nice in general? Just nice in general. It would oh. be nice if you said something about me. You did a great job with nice. the with the weather because you you bring the funk yeah. and the soul with the with the weather. The funk. Yeah, you bring the funk when it comes to the the weather. This is good. I'm tired of tracking skanky weather. <laughs> I I want a couple of beautiful sunshiny days, and that's going to be the case through Friday. Laura reported that amazing statistic: more severe storm warnings so far this year. 
in Minnesota than any recorded year. And so, no, it's not your imagination. I blame La Nina, that cool phase in the Pacific, the water in the equatorial Pacific cooler than average, and that can nudge the jet stream, the prevailing winds. And La Nina tends to keep us cooler longer. And what that means is instead of the jet stream howling north of Winnipeg, the jet stream has been almost directly over Minnesota. And the stronger the winds aloft, the greater the potential, if, if the temperature and moisture profile is right, that you can spin up tornadoes. You need these violent winds that shift direction and speed as you rise up through the atmosphere. Four tornadoes uh, from the latest outbreak on Memorial Day. And that one that hit Ferreira was an EF2, estimated winds 120. This thing was half a mile wide at times. And it was a multiple vortex tornado, meaning instead of one single funnel, like you remember from The Wizard of Oz or the movie Twister, mm -hmm. yep. this thing had three, four, five smaller tornadoes all rotating around a common center. So it was a tornado full of tornadoes. Is, is, this, is that common in this area? I mean, I don't ever remember hearing things like that happening in, in Minnesota. It's you know, it's rare. It okay. happens. It's much more likely in Oklahoma or Kansas, you know, in the heart of Tornado Alley. Sure, but okay. It, it it was just an amazing sight. Again, four tornadoes. Uh, Ferreira mm. was the EF2. Eagle Bend was an EF1 with winds up to 95 miles an hour. Uh, there was one tornado that tracked from near Milan to Glenwood. That was an EF1. Estimated winds 100 miles an hour. And the one that hit Plato was also an EF1 with winds of 90. And, and they can estimate how strong the winds were by how far certain objects are carried, you know. They know a washing machine weighs X, and if it traveled 30 yards, that implies that the winds were Y. That's how the Weather Service teams do it. And they're literally on the ground tracking the debris field to figure out, was it a tornado or was it straight-line winds? So anyway, uh, no craziness. It's going to be too cool for any wild weather, any big storms anytime soon. We're going to get some rain on Saturday, but I don't see a pattern emerging that is ripe for severe weather. Maybe the middle of next week, about a week out, we could get another outbreak. But we're due for a quiet spill. Good. We'll unplug Good. the Doppler. Well, because it is kind of, you know, the last couple times that you and I have, you know, conversed. It has been when we've had severe weather. And, you know, it, it just, it, it's just been really, it's nice to finally get to this point, even even though it's cooler than I think a lot of people maybe would have hoped, because based on, you know, what I'm seeing in your forecast, we're not, we're not hitting like what we would consider summer. Uh, but just to have some days of sunshine and mild temperatures, I, I think a yeah. lot of us, we take that in a heartbeat. The fact that it's cooler is part of the problem. We're living on the edge. It's, it shouldn't be this cool on the first day of June. Mm -hmm. Actually, today, a few degrees cooler than average, pretty close to average. But, yeah, through next week, it's going to be five, six, seven degrees cooler than average. Until the jet stream finally lifts north into central Canada, it's going to be hard to get consistent 80s and 90s. I think that could happen mid-June the uh, latter half of June. So we will see. I still think it's going to be a stinking hot summer. And consider this. Yesterday, Kenny Blumenfeld, the senior climate officer at the uh, 
Minnesota State DNR and the State Climatology Office. He said, Paul, we had two days of 90-plus in May. If you look back at the records, that means a 70% chance of a hotter-than-normal summer, based on what has happened in the past. So don't write off a stinking hot summer just yet. When we come back, now it's monkeypox and long COVID. We'll see what Dr. Greg Poland at the Mayo Clinic has to update us with when we come back on CCO. I'm very pro-Chinese food. Yes, please. Paul Douglas with you. Hope your uh, Wednesday is going well. Glad the weather is not acting up. Listen to this. As many as one in five adults who recovered from a COVID-19 infection have experienced at least one medical condition related to long COVID. This according to a recent study from the CDC. That number jumps to one in four people over the age of 65. The most common symptoms, respiratory problems related to musculoskeletal pain. And uh, I didn't know this. COVID patients almost twice as likely as other people to have conditions impacting their lungs. When we have questions about COVID or any other infectious disease, we reach out to Dr. Greg Poland at the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Poland, welcome back. Hey, good afternoon, Paul. Are you in Rochester? Are you back? No, I'm not. Uh, I I will be soon, but not yet. Well, Jordana asked me if if you could drop off a six-pack at the Mayo Clinic for her. (laughs) so she can celebrate in style Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, She's doing better, by the way. She had her bone marrow transplant last week, and uh, they're taking good care of her down there. And I chatted with her yesterday. I've been with her. Yeah. Just delighted that she's done so well. Thank you. She's she's very brave. I know she's scared, but uh, she's tough. Hey, um, what should listeners know about long COVID? It, it still seems like, especially with long COVID, we don't know what we don't know. It's like peeling an infinite onion. We keep hmm. discovering new things, and such is the case when it comes to science. But is there any correlation between the severity of the infection? If you have a really bad case of COVID, are you more likely to develop long COVID, to have lingering, nagging symptoms, or do we just not know? You know, I think there is a sense in which severe COVID does increase the chance of longer-term symptoms due to end-organ damage. That's different than uh, long COVID symptoms that were not clear. Is it due to end-organ damage, autoantibodies, or some other factor? So even people, as you mentioned at the beginning there, even people with mild COVID do develop uh, long COVID-type symptoms like brain fog and fatigue are the two most common ones that I hear my patients uh, talk about. And this is really important, Paul, because I still run into people who say, well, you know, my neighbor had COVID. She didn't die. It'll be fine. It's just flu. And the reality of it is that is not true. You know, flu, for the most part, doesn't give you much in the way of post-influenza symptoms that are chronic and long-term. COVID is quite different. I mean, you run the risk of a new mental health diagnosis, cardiovascular complications, diabetes. In fact, you know, I may have mentioned this to you one other time. A great study showed 
that even with mild to moderate COVID, people sustained a 2 to 4% shrinkage of the gray matter of their brain, the equivalent oh. of aging 20 years. Are you kidding me? 20 years? Oh. Yeah. Oh, so this has, this has real, measurable, and uh, really significant effects on people's quality of life, some of which some of which they won't even realize until they get older. In other words, you know, think of you and I. When we were in our 20s, say, and we lost 3% of, uh, or 5% of our heart function or of our lung function, we would never know it. But wait till you get into your 60s and 70s, and all of a sudden that composes actually a higher percent of your functional ability and now we'll be scratching our heads and puzzling, saying, why are we seeing so much of this in people that are 50 or 60 years old? And we'll have to look back and say, well, yeah, you know, you had COVID 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I suspect that's what we're going to end up seeing. So th- this, this will now qualify as a pre-existing condition for some people. And my, my next question is, is having a vaccine and boosters or being treated with some of the antivirals that, that are getting better and better, does that seem to make a difference when it comes to the risk of contracting long COVID? Yeah, great question. And the data are a little bit conflicting here. But in general, what we can say is that if you're up to date, you're getting vaccines, in other words, you're preventing either getting COVID or getting significant COVID, you are decreasing the odds that you're going to have any significant long-standing symptomatology. Okay. Well, that's, that's encouraging. And just one more reason to run out and get a vaccine. If you haven't already gotten one, I, I have exactly. enough brain fog in my life. I don't need <laughs> long COVID or brain fog or all the other stuff that comes with this. Hey, be, before we let you go, I, I just saw that, that Pfizer says their, their vaccine is both safe and effective for children under the age of five. They're applying for FDA and EMA clearance, 80% effective at preventing symptomatic COVID-19 cases in kids between the ages of six months and five years, three doses. Uh, Would you give your grandchild a vaccine if they were under the age of five? Yeah, I, I, I I would very much consider it. And the reason for it is several fold. Number one, uh, the risk of death. Now, there have been only 1,500 children who have died of COVID in the U.S. In the scheme of things, that's a small number, but it is not a small number if it's your child or grandchild or somebody you know. Number two, um, children develop a multi-system inflammatory condition that can be very severe that we can prevent by preventing COVID infection. Number three, what we just talked about, the possibility of developing a long COVID-type symptom. And when you're talking about the Pfizer vaccine, we're talking about a tenth of the dose that we give to adults. A so they found, they found you know, very safe. And as you say, the top-line data are about 80% efficacy. We don't know if that will hold up with new variants, but against the variants it was tested against. 
Dr. Greg Poland, thank you for always being there and picking up the phone and answering our questions. Uh, wishing you and your amazing family the best. And congratulations. You want to tell listeners you, you, you've had a big couple of weeks. What, what happened? <laughs> well, I just got back after four long years of work, two and a half of them during this COVID uh, pandemic of graduate work in seminaries. So I graduated from Westminster Theological Seminary last uh, Thursday, and uh, we'll be taking a, a very part-time position as an assistant pastor uh, in addition to my uh, medical clinical practice and research. Very cool. Well, congratulations, vaccine expert, global vaccine expert, and pastor. You wear a lot of hats, and uh, I respect <laughs> you for hanging in there. Thank you, Greg. Uh, thanks, Paul. Always a privilege to talk with you. Thank you, sir. When we get back, it's always a privilege to talk with Joe Lindsley. He is on the front lines of fighting in Ukraine. An update from Joe when we come back. Paul, back with you. Thank you for tuning in. We've been trying to keep you abreast of developments in Ukraine. Yesterday, President Biden, in an op-ed and editorial at the New York Times, said that he had decided the U.S. will provide Ukraine with more advanced rocket systems and munitions. He stressed, we don't seek a war between NATO and Russia. And the U.S. is not encouraging or enabling Ukraine to strike beyond its borders. By the way, uh, these advanced multiple launch rocket systems will allow Ukraine to hit targets 50 miles away, a range much greater than anything the country has been sent to date. It's part of a $700 million security package to aid in Ukraine's defense. We've been chatting with Joe Lindsley, a journalist with Lviv Labs, for months now. And uh, he's in the thick of it. Joe, welcome back to the show. Paul, good evening. Uh, good afternoon to you. And uh, I've, for all of our prior conversations, I've spoken to you and Jordana from the western Ukrainian city of Lviv. But uh, tonight I'm in the city of Nikopol, uh, which is more than 600 miles east of Lviv. And uh, today uh, I was on the riverbanks of this city from which I could see the Russian-occupied territory directly across the river including the largest nuclear plant in Europe. Is that Chernobyl is or is that a different plant? This is the Zaporizhia nuclear plant uh, in, okay. the, in the small city of Inner, in, uh, Inner Hodar. And uh, the Russians have occupied this for, I think, almost two months now. Uh, and uh, and there have been a lot of concerns about it because they've, they've been reporting, you know, initially when they took the plant, uh, they were shelling rather indiscrimin- indiscriminately near the plant. Uh, currently, they are holding hostage the Ukrainian workers. Uh, by all the reports we can get, the Ukrainian workers sort of out of a sense of not wanting to have a disaster for Europe uh, and the world are continuing to, to do their best to keep the plant safe. Uh, but it's uh, to, to stand on those riverbanks today and to see, to see, to see you know, knowing that the Russians could see us standing on those banks uh, was quite a, quite a new feeling. And and quite a heavy feeling. Well, I, I know you're a journalist, and your reporting has been exemplary at Lviv Labs, Joe. Thirty-two journalists have been killed since Russia invaded Ukraine, eight of whom were killed while actively reporting out in the field. Are you frightened for your personal safety? I mean, be honest. It's It's got to be terrifying at times. 
Well, in a sense, every single Ukrainian is. I mean, you know, women and children have been targeted. Uh, journalists know when they're, you know, going into the fray, uh, you know, a bit more what to expect. But, the, you know, the fact that children have been targeted uh, in the city of Dnipro yesterday, we, I, so with some of my team, we traveled here to report, but also to deliver supplies uh, to soldiers in hospitals. Uh, with friends from America have sent, sent uh, so, you know, things, uh, helmets and bulletproof vests and, and medicines. And so we came here to deliver things and to, to understand the situation. And in the city of Dnipro, I visited a uh, prosthetic factory where they're uh, making, you know, artificial limbs for all those who've been wounded. And it's not just soldiers. It's, it's children. Uh, uh, it's, no. so, it's, so, so everyone is under threat. And then I went to uh, the biggest hospital in eastern Ukraine where we went to the reanimation ward and, and saw some of the soldiers and the horrible, horrible wounds they've suffered. Uh, in fact, it was so bad that the chief doctor offered everyone in our group uh, brandy afterward. It was it was very difficult for everyone. And uh, one of the soldiers who had lost his legs was able to to smile and crack a joke. Uh, and uh, you know, it was the, it, to me that epitomizes the spirit of the Ukrainians. But you know, the, it, there was the the French journalist was killed uh, today. Uh, uh, as the Russians uh, uh, have now have taken 80 for, for the past two weeks, the Russians have focused most of their might uh, on the city of Severodonetsk in, in the east. Uh, and, and now they've succeeded in taking 80 percent of that city. And nearby there, they killed a French journalist who was on. Here's the most important thing. He was on a civilian evacuation bus and he was going there to report. But the bus was evacuating civilians. And that is what was attacked. So it's indiscriminate. And uh, yes, as we as we stood on the riverbanks today, uh, you know, knowing and, and every once in a while here in this city, the the uh, Russians will aim their the guns at the city. They have not fired directly upon it yet, but they keep it under perpetual fear and terror. And we just maybe 30 minutes before uh, we I began speaking with you, we finished an air alarm uh, in Lviv when the alarm goes off. Uh, it, it rings for maybe 10 minutes. It tells you to get to shelter. Most people don't go to shelter now. Uh, here, because the threat is so close, the alarm rings the entire time. So we listened to the uh, deafening alarm for two hours. Also, during a lightning storm, and every time you see the flash of lightning, you can't help but wonder if that's something at the nuclear plant. And it is, yes, there is an element of terror uh, to it. Joe, last question. Uh, Americans have short attention spans. We tend to flip-flop from one shiny object to the next. There's some recent polling showing that the war in Ukraine, maybe Americans are starting to lose interest. Uh, Maybe Ukraine is losing a little bit, just a little bit of support that was there a few months ago. Some people, you know, blaming this battle uh, that's taking place in your homeland for higher inflation. The cost of everything is more now in the United States. What would you say to people who maybe aren't losing interest but are are saying, you know, is it worth the fight? Well, there's two things there. We, you know, one, we had a, a very popular uh, American Twitter journalist uh, visited here who's been a big Ukraine skeptic and has spread, frankly, some false information about th- this country. But I, I wanted to show him the reality here. And two things. I mean, how often have we heard, you know, heard the phrase never again, you know, look, look at World War Two and the Holocaust and, and never again. And, and, and or look at the school shooting in Texas. Right. And we say never again. And do we really mean what we say? And what kind of world do we want to live in at uh, the first level? Just uh, sort of out of humanity. But the second thing is uh, for, uh, sort of the free world. And 
Ukrainians in 2014 decided to be free, and that's why they're paying this price. They refuse to be governed by a puppet of Putin. And just, I think I would ask people to, con- to consider, if Ukraine falls, if Russia is able to take over large parts of this country, the largest country that's totally within Europe, uh, one, it's going to affect the supply chains. And actually, the reason why the prices are going up is, is because Ukraine cannot export uh, the grains and the food that it sends all over the world. So, so actually, the problem is caused by the invasion. But if Ukraine falls, what will happen to Finland and Sweden? Uh, and to those countries, people are afraid. And uh, I think we all need to consider the, the ripple effects uh, of letting uh, a nation that has no qualms, uh, just, you know, attacking w- women and children, uh, let alone civilians of, of all sorts, uh, is that is that a good thing to have unleashed upon the world? I could not have said it better. And it has a lot more impact coming from you. Joe Lindsley, Laviv Labs, thank you for the amazing work you do. And, and we will continue to uh, keep in touch. Uh, please be safe out there as best you can. Well, thanks. And, yeah, you can follow us at uh, UkrainianFreedomNews.com is our new website created with the help of uh, Ukraine's volunteer IT army, UkrainianFreedomNews.com. Thank you, Paul. UkrainianFreedomNews.com. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Paul. And my best to Jordana. I sure will. I sure will. When we come back, Paul Hodawanik in the newsroom with a quick update. What you need to know. Hot fun. I think the hot fun is coming. I still think we're going to have a stinking hot summer. And maybe we'll be staying closer to home because of the cost of gas. Well, the cost of everything is sky high. The cost of houses, 20% more than it was last year at this time. That's nationwide. And, of course, it varies town by town. But show me anything where the price has gone down. Uh, Paul Hodawanik in the newsroom has been tracking the price of gas. That that must be that must be a fun yeah, fun gig. A, hey, Paul. It, it, yeah, very fun time. Just staring at some numbers, Paul. Getting a little a little sad every time it ticks up. But yeah, no. Oof. Minnesota average, we're right around four dollars and thirty four cents, uh, which is is a record uh, nationwide. We cleared uh, four dollars and seventy cents, which is a record. So it, it's climbing. Uh, it had kind of stabilized, but now with Memorial Day traffic and everything like that, we're seeing it jump. And the summer is always a time when we see these prices jump. So it is likely to continue to climb higher and higher and higher. Suddenly that long road trip, you know, out to Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon or the East Coast, you know, I, I think a lot of people are recalibrating and saying, what can we do closer to home without spending stupid money on gasoline yeah what's what's interesting is i talked to a triple a spokesperson today and he said their latest study says about 67 percent of people say that they are would consider kind of changing their travel habit habits if it goes above four dollars and fifty cents so we're not quite there yet uh, everything Oof. we're seeing so far is people are for the most part still traveling as much as they would be despite the higher prices but yeah, if we climb up to above four fifty, about two thirds of people would reconsider. If it gets all the way up to five dollars, about three fourths of the population would consider changing. So I think you're right. I think we're going to continue to see a climb, and people are going to have to decide whether it's it's worth doing that doing that drive. Hey, we have about a minute left, Paul. Tell us about the uh, Prince mural. Curious yes. about that. Yep. So it's at Ramp A, uh, right by Target Field and First Avenue Theater. They've been 
working on it for about three weeks now, a massive 100-foot uh, Prince mural. It is almost done. I was there today. They are just putting on the final touches. I talked to people that are there, and, yeah, there's going to be a block party tomorrow. So 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., a free event, food trucks, music, celebrating the mural uh, and celebrating Prince. It looks very fun, very exciting. Okay, I, look, I know you're a journalist. You're not supposed to give your opinion, just the facts, ma'am. But is it good? Did you like oh, it? Is Did they nail it? They they nailed it, and I ca- talked to several people who had been checking on it the last three or four weeks. They keep coming back over and over again to see what it's like, and they were everyone was dumbfounded. I think they put in a lot of work over the last 24 to 48 hours to make sure people didn't get too close of a glimpse at it before this uh, special day. So, yeah. It's, it looks very good. It's going to be something that people can be proud of. Come into First Avenue. Obviously, that's a big tourist attraction, and this just adds to it. Very nice. Paul Hodawanik, thank you so much for the update. Of course. What do you, Chris Tubbs, who's producing today, what do you think Prince would make of all this? Do you think he, I think he would just want to make more music. That's what made him happy, right? The yeah. touring and the accolades and the awards and the... I think he would shake his head. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I'm glad they did it, but I'm really I I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't think that he would actually, I'm sure appreciate all of the attention and the respect that he's getting, but it is a little over the top that we have here in our love for people that are from here that have succeeded that have transcended pop culture and our social norms, and I, I just think that's. I think that it, you know, he would be a little uncomfortable with it. I think, but when you're a, you know, when when you're a when you're a an artist, I mean, you, you want the attention, like you you go for the attention. I mean, that's kind of what you do. Yeah, I get that, but yeah, nobody wants to work in a vacuum. But I think he he just loved the art of making great music. Everything else to him, I think, was noise. But that's just my opinion. When we come back, drink more coffee, but hold the popcorn. Next. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.